0: Welcome to Midweek in the Word, where each week we seek to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. This podcast is brought to you by Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, here is your host, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor, Pastor Brad Myers.
1: Well, hello and welcome back listeners to Midweek in the Word. We're so glad you're along for the ride and you're joining us uh, this week as I I believe if I'm not, is this the first day of fall?
2: I think it is the first day of fall. I, I think this is the I first day of fall.
1: <laughs> we're recording on the day you're going to hear this as well. So I believe it should be the first day of fall, <laughs> listener, if you're with us uh, here today as we're beginning to roll up September, heading into October, leaves are beginning to change and and the fall is upon us. And As we've been doing that, we've also continued to move forward toward our wrap-up of our uh, series here on Midweek in the Word, What Does the Bible Say About? We know that we're already two weeks into our discussion on the church. We've been talking about what Scripture says about the church, her mission, and who's a part of that church. Uh, Hopefully, you've enjoyed the chance to get to know a little bit more about the church, the thing you've probably taken for granted um, most of your life. Uh, We've really enjoyed our discussion here so far and back uh, this week to join me on the discussion. uh, To guide us on that journey is Tom Rempel, our preaching pastor here at the church. Uh, Welcome back, Tom. Thanks. It's
2: great to start the fall with you. It's good. It's,
1: and I'm looking forward to not only concluding this one, yeah. um, but heading into another series when this one wraps up. Listeners will, will bring out more information on that as we get closer to that date. Um, but for the time being, let me just remind you that this last Sunday, Tom did not continue his Hebrew series because we had our outdoor fall service, our one-faith service where we get the entire body together to promote unity and community as one church. And uh, if you weren't able to join that, if you weren't able to hear Scott Mathis, uh, Scott Mathis from out in western Nebraska from the Berean Fellowship joined us. He shared a little bit about his life and how, how God met him in that, and his his conversion hmm. uh, is an encouraging story. You can find that on our website. You can just go to faithbiblelincoln.org. Uh, just hit that resources tab and hit on the button that says the sermons, and you can always find all of our old sermons including uh, Scott Mathis' message from our One Faith service this last Sunday. Uh, But Tom, uh, now that we're moving from that back into this, what does the Bible say about service or series? Um, Obviously, we spent a fair amount of time on the church so far. We've talked about The members of the church. We've talked about the mission of the church. Um, Now we're going to move into stuff that's getting a bit more subjective (laughs) and to be perfectly honest, a bit more controversial listener. Whether you favor that or don't favor that, uh, this week's topic is the church's structure. And that's going to get us into a few different areas that we're going to have to Tread lightly, uh, speak with a bit of humility, and uh, recognize that not everybody agrees with us on these subjects. Um, But as always, listener, before we dive into this structure discussion, I want to start by reading the paragraph in our church's doctrinal statement that speaks to the church's structure. And it starts where it ought to start, with Christ. Paragraph on the church says this, We believe that the church, whose head is Christ Jesus her Lord, is to be led by biblically qualified men called elders who are assisted in service by biblically qualified deacons. Properly appointed elders are the pastors and shepherds of the church. Elder selection is on the basis of character, calling, and spiritual giftedness. Now, obviously, Tom, the structure of a church doesn't end with elders. It doesn't end with just Christ as the head. Um, But that does... That's an important thing to note as we start on this discussion about structure. So let's, let's start there and move into this discussion a little bit more. What does the Bible say about how the church is structured and how the church is led?
2: Well, when you're thinking about the church, you, you have to ask the question, are we talking about the big C, the universal church versus the local church? And we have to be reminded, so many people who either have a disagreement or a discomfort with the local church Want to identify with the big C, Mm. the greater church. So Christ is the head of both of those, but most times when church is mentioned in the New Testament, it is the local church that He's talking about. So you do have Christ as the head; He is the senior pastor of every local church, but He He carries out His ministry through under shepherds or elders that are, as you said, uh, appointed on the basis of their character, their gifting. And they're calling, it's a good thing if a man aspires to be an overseer. Now, as, as they do their ministry of shepherding, and primary focus of them is the body health of the local church, and mm. so they minister in the word and prayer and shepherding relationships. There are a lot of details about a local church that have to be addressed. And so, <laughs> right. Acts chapter 6, they appointed what we call the first deacons, and there are those who, with a servant heart and gifts of helps, enable the functioning. So you've got crises ahead. You've got the elders as the under shepherds listening to his will and his voice. And then carrying out a lot of those ministries are deacons. And so elders are men. Deacons are men and women who have those gifts of help and service. And then there's also the the fourth part of the structure is the congregation Mm. at those who not only are ministered to, but join in the ministry.
1: Mm. Yeah, this this being a, I mean, kind of where to start on this. (laughs) Probably we don't have a whole lot of disagreement across churches as far as whether Christ is the head. Like, I think that's probably (laughs) fairly settled. Uh, Listeners may be aware of with experience in the past or not of, of churches that... Uh, would have only one elder or wouldn't have a plurality of elders, wouldn't have a team of elders, maybe the church they grew up in had or didn't have deacons. Uh, and then what the role of the congregation is, is kind of a whole separate set. Okay, yeah. so let's, let's try and focus just a bit here. Let's, let's assume that we're on the same page about Christ as the head of the church. Christ established the church. Uh, Christ oversees the church. Um, there's a number of passages we could talk about that. Um, then how would you define, you've got the ministry of the word and prayer um, for the elders. Is there anything else that we need to note there from a practical standpoint of what the elders do for the church?
2: Well, I, I I think that they see to the health and protection. I was thinking about Acts twenty, uh, that that you are to be alert to guard yourselves and the flock over which God has made you shepherds. So first, thing, I would go back and just reinforce. We we believe that the Bible teaches that elders are plural for each local congregation. The world yeah. I grew up in had a, a singular elder, is known as the senior pastor, and everyone else were deacons yeah. and. Uh, we, we believe the scriptures are clear that it's a plurality of elders. So they together study the word, they pray for the congregation, they guard and protect from theological errors and, uh, and, and uh, other, other assaults, whatever would be a threat to the health of the church. But they also, uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 5, that one of their primary ministries is being an example. Mm. So it's just asking the question: What does a mature believer live like and look like? That's what Christ appointed mm. the elders to be. So mm. uh, they, they are. He is the chief shepherd. They are the under shepherds. Shepherds are there among the flock to lead. And uh, so he does in Hebrews thirteen: Follow the example mm. of your elders, your leaders. So uh, that's that's a huge part. They study the Word, they prayerfully apply the Word to their own lives before they minister to others.
1: And listeners, just to get practical on this, Faith Bible Church has eight elders. Yeah. We have four elders that are also pastors and staff members, yeah. and we have four elders that are lay, or volunteer elders that don't do as their full-time jobs. We meet monthly to discuss yeah. the needs of the church, to pray for the church, to talk about the teaching ministry of the church, um, different aspects like that. Though a lot of the, the specific aspects of leading get delegated to either the directional team that oversees come to the church and, and some of those that are on staff. Um, but that that body. That council of eight elders is the overseeing body. Now, you've already mentioned Acts 6, okay? recognize that very quickly in the church history, uh, there was a recognition that the the elders could not do all the ministry that needed to take place at a church. So you mentioned deacons. What is the role of a deacon?
2: A deacon, uh, in in our structure, as I understand biblically, are, are basically under the authority of the elders, are tasked with details that are essential for the Organization and the organism of the Church to help it be healthy and in our case uh, they they are the ministry leads for a number of our various ministries. Uh, we we've been careful down through the 28 plus years that the elders focus on things of the word and prayers and even the financial management we've always had a deacon team of godly men that deal with the finances just to free us up from that that's always a controversial area. Yep. yep. But some some churches believe the elders ought to ultimately do that, review the books every month. We haven't felt that way and God's blessed us with that. Mm. But it's, it's actually carrying out the relational, many of the relational ministries of the church come on the deacons. Uh, they, they minister uh, gifts of compassion and care and support. I was trying to think how many deacons we actually have. It's quite a number. Yeah, and I don't know uh, <laughs> that I could give you that number right now, admittedly. I think every major ministry program that Faith Bible Church has is led by a deacon yep. team.
1: Yeah. 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 So we've got these we've got these elders that are tasked with preaching the word with praying for the body with setting direction yeah. and shepherding yeah. and 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 kind of managing on a large scale the church then we employ this team of deacons who comes alongside these elders and they help Practically work those things out. If you were to talk to the deacons that are involved in my ministry, they'd say we we get the things done that Brad, Brad is that's really right. bad at. Right. Uh, you know, the, all those all those details that I'm that I'm terrible a at. handling compliment. and the, That leadership and stuff. That's that's deacons, and and yeah. we as a church have settled on. We believe that is biblically qualified both men. And women, based upon a couple others. I don't want to get too sidetracked on that debate. (laughs) We can spend a whole episode specifically on that subject. Um, Listeners, if you're interested in more information, we do actually, as elders, we wrote up a paper on that subject. If you're interested in some more information, just email myself or Tom. Uh, We'd be happy to get that to you. Okay, then you mentioned the last role. And it's absolutely critical because it's where most of our listeners are going to find themselves. You've got the congregation, you've got the body. What is the job description, the role of the body in the church?
2: Well, they are not just simply to be a passive audience, mm-hmm. but uh, I, we've talked about it before and we will again. Every individual that comes to faith in Christ, which is necessary to become a member of the church, mm-hmm. is given a spiritual gifting, and uh, they are part of the functioning body. So you've got a couple of pictures. You've got a picture of the church as the building, Christ Jesus to being the cornerstone, But you also have the picture of the body, and he says in Ephesians 4, that we grow to maturity by that which each joint supplies. So congregationally, they are actively involved in doing ministry, one to another, while uh, not getting so far out there. So, The elders listen carefully to the voice of the Spirit to determine direction, vision for the church. They, they help the deacons understand what that is, and the deacons put shoe leather on it, make it happen. But the body shares in the pursuit of that vision just by their participation. So, congregational gatherings, we we worship. You know, we sing the same words, we hear the same messages, we pray the same prayers. But functionally, we do the ministry one to another that is necessary for us to be healthy.
1: Mm. I, I i love that i you know we, we've come back to ephesians four and and you've mentioned it again, obviously I want to get into the text here in just a moment, talking about these passages um but ephesians four lays out fairly fairly straightforwardly that leaders were given to equip the body to yeah. equip the saints for the works of ministry, and that's exactly what we're talking about yeah. You know, and, and we tend to think formal, and some of that is formal. Maybe volunteer listener in the children's ministry, and in the youth ministry, and adult ministry in different capacities. Uh, it's also already what Tom's talking about. It's part of your participation and your in, engagement as the church, fulfilling your role, is is sitting in a gray chair every Sunday and yep. singing songs yeah. that glorify Christ and that edify your brothers and sisters in Christ. There is a a value in every member of the church yeah. in a giving and receiving way that we would not be complete. Without every person participating,
2: yeah we often say that that you we tend to go to church because I need the encouragement or the fellowship bottom line, I go to church because my brothers and sisters need me mm. and you just don't know how many times it is that someone within earshot of you as you're singing those non-negotiable truths are encouraged to go wow it's still true yeah uh, so you know during the season of our own sorrows fifteen years ago it was the singing of those hymns of the faith that solidified and held us together we we needed to hear that now we come because somebody around us needs the encouragement yeah. of our being, there,
1: being yeah. there yeah and that's and that's true in the hallways of the church yeah. that's true in the classrooms of the church that's especially true in the worship center yeah. I mean you've talked about the singing those encouraging songs to each other um, but there's there's more engagement it's praying the prayers along yeah. with the person that is up front it's it's uh he- heaven forbid it's a uh, some sort of v- verbal or yeah. eye contact with the preacher as we're delivering yeah. the word. it's that two-way. it's not a stage driven. And I know you know one of our core values that we've talked about as a church is participatory worship. Yeah. And people tend to think of that exclusively related to music. It's not, no. though it obviously is involved in music. It also means participating that the entire service, the entire worship service, is a participation action. Yeah. It's not receiving. it's not just us on stage doing things for the audience and the congregation. And I love the distinction you're drawing, that as church people, as members of a church, we are participants, not an audience. (laughs) We're contributors, not a consumer. And there's a distinction, there's a role for those that are in the church, and they have to fulfill that role for us to be what God created us to be.
2: Well, if if, a listener visits, they'll they'll notice the way our gray chairs are set up, even Mm -hmm. in sort of a a semi-circle. We used to be more pronounced than that. Architecturally, we can't. But that was by design, so that as we are... Ministering, we we're looking across, seeing one another, the eye contact, you know, at, uh, at, at turning your Bible too, and suddenly you see others are turning in their Bible. Yeah. There's this, we're involved in the process of learning and worshiping and growing. Yeah, yeah. participation's huge.
1: Very good. Okay, so we understand that we've got Christ as the head, we've got the elders as the shepherds and overseers, we've got the deacons as the the helpers, the assistants, and we've got the body as the participants, those that are doing most of the work yeah. of the ministry. Um, now, obviously, we, this this isn't just our conception of what the church <laughs> is. We've mentioned a couple of passages here oh, already. Hey, we, we are the Bible per- church.
2: We have the perfect model.
1: I, I would hope that what we've got <laughs> comes from Scripture. Um, let's walk through this here a little bit. What are the yeah. texts that speak to each of those roles? Can you walk us through it?
2: Well, uh, some of the key texts that I would look at is we've already mentioned Acts chapter 6 when the leaders realized that the distraction important things but not the most important thing mm-hmm. for them So you've got the deacons. In chapter 13, you've got the ministry of the elders and leaders that are in a prayer, fasting and praying, and the Spirit of God says to them, appoint for me or set apart for me Paul and uh, Barnabas for the Mm -hmm. works which I've called them. In Acts chapter 14, after they have established young churches, they do a U-turn and go back through the Galatian region, and they appoint elders in every church. In Acts chapter 20... Paul calls the elders of the church at Ephesus together and gives them instructions. He talks about his own role modeling, Mm. and then having done that, he tells them to guard themselves and the church over which he has made them responsible. Ephesians chapter 4, we talked about in Ephesians, the first three chapters, it talks about the building that Christ is the cornerstone to, the foundation being the teaching of the apostles and prophets, but then you get to the fourth chapter, and then he talks about the congregation's role. That is, the leaders equip them to do works of ministry. Mm-hmm. And then in chapter 13, or chapter three of First Timothy three, you've got a not a description of the job of elders, but the character of those elders that God appoints. You've got the same thing in Titus chapter one. In Paul's introduction to the Church of Philippi in Philippians chapter one, verse one, he talks about to the elders and deacons and the others. So you've got the three levels of elders, deacons, and congregation. Mm. And then in Hebrews thirteen. He again talks about those, you know, follow those who are your leaders, Mm -hmm. and then he talks in the 17th verse, you know, submit to those that are your leaders, for they will give an account for your souls, so the weight of that. And then, obviously, 1 Peter chapter 5, Well, Peter could have played the heavy hand, he could have said, well, you know, I'm I'm an apostle, but he didn't. He said, I'm a fellow elder, and he instructed us to shepherd well Mm -hmm. and to shepherd by example. So those are the primary texts I would look at.
1: Yeah. Yeah, obviously, the pastoral epistles, you know, being yeah. 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus, through. really, you get a tremendous amount. It is fascinating that when it comes to qualifications for both elders and deacons, the qualifications don't tend to be around competencies, though, yeah. ministry of the word, yeah. able, able to teach within that elder job yeah. description. But by and large, it's about character. Yep. Uh, the the men and then the men and women as deacons that lead the church are called to be qualified based upon character, not primarily based upon competency yeah. uh, which speaks to God using in you know fallible failing not not great people you know it's that Corinthians idea of right you know God didn't choose the great things of this world <laughs> he chose the no. weak things of this world uh, to exalt himself and, and that really is that a model that we see consistently yeah. played out through scripture. Um, I thought of another one. though you were saying yeah. that,
2: it, it, as you're reading through the epistles, uh, there are also leaders in churches that meet in homes.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
2: you know, Stephanos and those guys are—they're not necessarily identified as elders or pastors. Yeah. Or you know, you've got the letter to Philemon, and uh, you know, to the church that meets in your home. So, yeah, yeah a lot of times it's it's being a host uh, to the body of Christ for Mm. other purposes. So again, that was a bunny trail. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: that's all right. We're okay with bunny trails here on on the podcast. Okay, now what we need to move into now is that's kind of a basic understanding of how the church is structured, how the church is led, hopefully biblically based as best we can uh, to practically apply it. Um, However, we recognize that there are some fairly significant disagreements within the church, within orthodoxy, on how this is applied, on what this looks like in the church. Could you walk us through some of those areas of disagreement?
2: Well, the first is it it will be manifest primarily in local church structures, small C, rather than uh, the big C, although there there are efforts to enlarge church fellowships to a bigger C Mm, church, But in, in the local church, uh, some of the differences are going to be according to denominational distinctives, certainly. And uh, my own experience, I started ministry in a congregationally mm-hmm. led, ruled church where the leaders were voted on annually and placed in a position. So I mean, that's not a that's not a heresy. It's is different. I, mm-hmm. uh, there are uh, there are plurality elders versus a singular elder. There are churches that have a a singular elder with a deacon board which generally functions the way our elder team would function there mm-hmm. there are also uh, some of the distinctions have to do with the roles of men and women and we, we call it complementarianism or egalitarianism and again mm-hmm. it's become a, a hot button again it was it was a hot button in the 70s and uh, we yeah. kind of rode it out for a while and the uh, whole women's lib movement of the hippie generation, my generation, created a conversation. Now it's come Mm -hmm. back again, and and there are godly people that disagree over that, those two issues. Complementarianism basically being that God has appointed the men to be the spiritual leaders, teachers of biblical truth, doctrinal truth, protectors of the body. They're the elders, and... uh, that under that there's all kinds of ministry that the women can use their gifts for and accomplish. Egalitarianism would say that there's neither male nor female, there's neither slave nor free, mm-hmm. so they're all one and that a woman could fill any role in the church that any man could. Mm. And uh, so that that's, that's dividing evangelicalism today. Mm. Uh, we are a complementarianism. Congregation, we believe our elders ought to be men, godly men, and that, that the men ought to aspire that, but that in doing that, they, they ought to elevate the women to the to the glorious roles that God's gifted them for and called them to.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. So you're speaking to the complementarian egalitarian thing. Obviously, you you've articulated a little bit of where Faith Bible Church is on that uh, particular question. Um, then we've got the other thing. We've got the the local church structure thing. You've got okay. So you said you've got we've we've identified these three these three components. Yeah. You've got yeah. elders, you've got deacons, you've got body. And in, in some ways, what you've got in those three models is is kind of a, a different emphasis on each of those three, right? You've got yeah. a congregationally-led yeah. church that kind of puts the emphasis on the congregation as the the final say in kind of things, voting and some things like that, like you've talked about. You've got the one elder with some deacons, where the deacons execute a lot yeah. of the ministry that's going on in the church. And then you've got elder-led churches, where the elders are basically yeah. the the decision-making body of the church. Uh, explain a little bit about how Faith Bible Church functions uh, within those three models.
2: Well, we, we have from the beginning felt that God would lead us through a team of elders of which uh, the pastoral staff would be considered shepherds. Uh, we have And we discuss, is is there a leader amongst equals? Somebody has to be responsible. Say, I believe this is where God wants church to go. But that's always validated by the wisdom and the counsel of the many. So we are an elder led. In our case, uh, we believe that God will make future elders obvious as we're watching Mm. and asking. So we don't have an annual rotation or all that. We have elders that are called to the thing. To, to do the ministry, and at some point they say, I, "I can't carry it anymore." They step down, or we've never had an elder disqualify himself. Praise yeah. the Lord for that. Yeah. but there are times there've been there's been a transition of elders in our 28 years, and whenever uh, there has been that change, God's already prepared somebody mm. else there. So uh, our elder team has always been less than a dozen. Uh, it's okay. been as small as five, but that but then the elders have appointed deacons to ministry tasks and responsibilities. And uh, so, again, as we were talking before we went on to Mike, um, asking the question, how how should there be more congregational engagement Mm -hmm. in the process? What's that communication link? So at Faith Bible Church, I'd say if we If if we have to be honest, transparent, uh, weakness is perhaps that communication link of clarity Mm. between where the, the elders believe the Lord is leading the church and and being engaged with the congregation to help them understand yeah. or to hear from them, yeah. so, which is the genius of our small group ministry. So. I,
1: I, <laughs> I hope there's some genius in our small group ministry. I don't want don't to oversell yeah. that. But uh, you know the, the truth is, it's it's amazing to think through these three. Obviously, we've developed a biblical conviction based upon reading the text and saying, I think this is the way it's yeah. best supposed to be applied. Yeah. And yet at the same time, we disagree with brothers and sisters in Christ on this structure, recognizing that each of these structures has inherent strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, strength of congregationalism is that yeah. there's an involvement and an ownership on the part of the body. There's a the fact that you can't get kind of a rogue elder board doing whatever they want. The body's kind of checking yeah. that. The strength of a deacon, you know, kind of involved ministries. There's, there's a lot of practical good things going on. Uh, the downside is you got one elder and who's the check on that. And yeah. then you've got elders. So you know, where our disadvantage yeah. and challenge is is you've got elders, biblically qualified men leading the church. But there's always the potential that uh, we're not communicating well with the body or that the body feels disconnected from us. And so that's the inherent weakness that we're working on. Uh, But these are things, like I said, the structure of this um, and obviously the complementarian, what is the role of women in the church? What is scripture saying the role of women ought to be in the church um, is two kind of dividing lines. You'll see churches (laughs) separate over these, hopefully not fight too much, but churches separate over these. Okay, but then then we've got some things here that are out of balance as well. We recognize that there are also some some heresies that we can get into related to how the church is structured and led. What are some heresies we need to keep an eye out for?
2: Well, to speak to that, again, a unique not unique to Faith Bible Church, kind of unique to the Bible Church movement, is that that we are a small C. The the thing I think that we lack is the accountability mm. to the. Big C, And yeah. so, you know, we're working with a Bible church collective uh, to hold one another accountable as Bible churches of the yeah. Lincoln area. So, again, to avoid a heresy where other voices can look at where we're going mm-hmm. and if the congregation doesn't hold the elders to the line or the elders get off, we, we have other brothers and sisters in our community that yeah. are watching and say, are you guys sure there? Yeah. But some, some of the, I would say the heresies that have most frequently come up in this area of structure it really has when someone has been declared to be an apostolic leader and uh, there there is there is no checks or balances at all uh, that that they have given themselves granted authority and the people have yielded to and submitted to And, and that's uh, regrettably, too many people associate that with the title senior pastor. Senior pastor is just one of the shepherds of a church that works on yeah. a team. He just has certain responsibilities. In this case, it's somebody that's not satisfied to be that. They want more, so they give themselves the title of apostle, and therefore they speak with more authority, and uh, almost like they have the Old Testament prophetic voice, mm-hmm. God has spoken to me and lead. So that's one. And then the other is just simply that that not letting the pendulum swing too far either way so that one person has excessive control. On the other hand, that he is excessively controlled so he doesn't have the freedom to do ministry. But I, I think currently those are probably the waves. And that congregation, that rogue congregation that refuses to be held accountable by other like-minded churches of the area. I think in terms of a situation in Seattle a few years ago where a really good Bible church, the pastor had gone off the rails, and the elders were not effectively able to pull it back. Mm. And a group of like-minded pastors and elders from the Seattle area came together, sat down with their elders, and called them back to it. And God graciously rescued mm. a church from that. So uh, those heresies are more in the area of independence and a lack of accountability, I mm. think.
1: Yeah, very good. I, you know, So you've got this apostolic leader, which is in some ways putting an under-shepherd in the place of the over-shepherd, yep, speaking yep. with the voice of God. Then you've got uh, probably our our tendency um, to, to, to either as an individual take over too much control or as a congregation take over too much yeah. control. And, yeah. and we see both sides of this really vividly and poorly. I think in our culture right now, we yeah. tend to think to go to the totalitarian, you know, those prominent church pastors that have been yep. um, been uh, disciplined for their abuse of authority. They're like, I own this church. This is my church. This is in Christ's church. We obviously think of those very, very quickly, that we can err in that direction. But we can also err in the other way, where yeah. we're like, uh, we don't really have... There's no authority given yeah. to, to elders. There's no responsibility of uh, you know, obeying and yeah. following your leaders, as you talked about in Hebrews 13. And, and probably that's the more, in my opinion, prevalent yeah. one there, that we kind of have this anti-authority individualism. Yeah. As, as Americans, we want to do our own thing. Nobody can tell me what to do, You know, that sort of idea. Yeah. Um, that can be a little bit pervasive, but if we don't, if we don't watch out for it.
2: Well, and, and as we were talking off mic, thats uh, That is that, that we're consumer driven, Yeah. and so I I, I I pick and choose. So I like a ministry from this church. I like a ministry from that church, and my kids like a ministry from that church. We put it together, and then it really comes down to the question of: So who is your pastor? Who are your elders? Who who are who are the examples you're following, and to whom do you submit in order for the you know the protection of your soul? Mm. And uh, so I would say that that. Uh, again, just not understanding church structure in our community has led to a sense of a lack of uh, anchor mm. or direction or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, to to unhealth on the part of yeah. individuals yeah. And, and churches as a whole. Which maybe that leads us right into our next conversation, and probably that's what you want to talk about here. Um, The fifth question being, how does this impact the way we live? So in light of the church being structured, somebody's probably sitting there going, that's all well and good. I'm glad you've got titles for everybody and that there's church structure and all that. What does that have to do with me as an individual member of the church? I,
2: I think as an individual member, one, you have to understand you are important. You're vital to the church. God gave you spiritual gifts, and he connects you well to the body, or as Peter would say, that you are a living stone being fitted together in this glorious structure in which Mm. the Spirit of God meets and dwells. But I I think the implication is also that you you need to assess the leadership, the direction, the structure of a church, and then commit yourself to it. Mm. So as an individual say, you can count on me, I'm on this team. And uh, it's not always going to be smooth sailing, but, but I'm not going to abandon ship every time there's just a little bit of a breeze that comes up or something goes away. I don't like it. So the impact for us is that we commit to the local expression of the body of Christ mm-hmm. so that my brothers and sisters can count on me.
1: Mm-hmm. And I know one of the questions I always get related to that second component, at least as far as commitment to a church, is does that mean I can never leave a church? And obviously, we would yeah. say that no, that's not the answer. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's probably a, a conversation for another day. As far as you know, there's there is there's a time to leave and leave a church. Reasons to leave a yeah. church, and then there's good and there's bad ways yeah. to leave yeah. a church as well. And um, it's an interesting dialogue. Obviously, it's something we probably don't have time to go into <laughs> on this week's episode. We're already kind of hitting that yeah, thirty-minute yeah. mark, so I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to. Way down too long here, but I, I would I would amen what you're saying. You know, remembering yeah. people, especially in this whole COVID season, with digital yeah. engagement and listening to podcasts like this, which is not inherently wrong. There's nothing wrong with yeah. this sort of engagement, um, but you can't be essential to something you just consume. And the church, everyone is essential. The part of it to contribute, to be involved, uh, and that involves commitment as well. And so yeah. I appreciate that twofold reminder for our people. Okay, listeners, this has obviously turned into a longer conversation already (laughs) on this subject, um, but hopefully it's been helpful to you as we've tried to explain how Christ has established the church, what the structure is that he's given it. Let me just remind you real quickly of what we've talked about, this reminder that Christ is the senior pastor. Christ is the head of the church. He is the worship leader of the church. Uh, He's the one that's in charge. He appoints in local congregations, these local smaller manifestations of the church, First and foremost, qualified men as elders. They are the the protectors. They are the shepherds. They are the teachers. They are the prayer warriors for the church. They are assisted... By And this is where we get into our opinion as Faith Bible Church, men and women that are biblically qualified deacons that address in a lot more ways the, the practical needs, the practical leadership of the church. And then obviously the vast majority of the ministry being done by the body that has been equipped by the leadership, that's been prepared by the leadership. But the task of the ministry of the church is the bodies, not the leadership's primarily. Any number of passages we can go to, Acts Hmm. 6, Acts 13 and 14, Acts 20, Hebrews 13, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, 1 Peter 5 and that's not the end of it we could go to other but this is just a, a brief <laughs> a whole list, list of, of some epistles of these were for
2: this purpose. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly um, now obviously within orthodoxy there's some disagreements on the congregationalism versus elder rule versus deacon engagement and then there's this big divide over complementarian versus egalitarian which hopefully we can continue to have that dialogue but it can be a charitable discussion yeah. in between churches though there is a significant disagreement there within <laughs> orthodoxy On this idea of heresies, keep in mind that we shouldn't be scared of authority. We also shouldn't embrace authority such to the point that we give somebody too much of it as a leader of the church, that apostolic power grab sort of idea that we talked about that we need to keep an eye out for. And then just for us individually, just be reminded that you are essential. Um, And that means your presence and that means your giftedness and that means your encouragement and your voice and a number of things of the church. And so commit to a local church. Commit to being engaged in this gift of the bride that Christ has given us. Uh, Any final thoughts or comments for our listeners as we wrap this up, Tom?
2: Well, just hitchhiking on what you just said. Church is non-negotiably relational. Amen. And it is not simply informational, but it's relational. You receive the Word, we worship the Lord, but we do it in connection with one another. Mm. So wherever possible, it needs to be in person.
1: Amen. Amen. Very good. Good encouragement for us, especially as we come out of this current season as a church. Speaking of this current season, listeners, let me just remind you that this coming Sunday, Tom will be back in the book of Hebrews. Hopefully you've enjoyed the study so far. He will be looking at Christ's death and the very heart of the gospel that we see in Hebrews 2, verses 5 through 9. I'd encourage you to read that passage in preparation for that message. And we'd love to see you at either our 9 o'clock or 10.30 services here at the church on Sunday morning. It would seem an appropriate way to end the podcast with that, with that theme given our discussion today. Well, Thanks for listening to this week's episode, for taking the time to tune in with us. If it's been helpful, remember. Remember, you can share it, rate it, or comment on it to help other people find it. And we do hope you join us again next week for Midweek in the Word.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Faith Bible Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, or on Twitter at the handle at FBC Lincoln. As for this week... We'll leave you with Paul's words to Timothy. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith.